Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you again on a Sunday morning, and Lord, we have dedicated this time to your worship. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand what worship truly is. Lord, that this morning we would be willing to grapple with who you are, how great you are, your goodness to us, the fact that every good thing that we have comes from you. Lord, that it's not about us. It never has been about us. But Lord, that we would make each song that is sung, the special music, the preaching, the invitation, the offering, everything that's done this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would make it about you. And Lord, that you would be pleased to accept our gift of worship to you today. And Lord, our greatest request is that what is done here today would affect us, would change the way we live for you through this coming week. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. Children dismissed to the Children's Church. And the rest of us, let's turn one more time to the letters to the churches, Revelation chapter 3. And uh, if you noticed on the doors as you walked in this morning, there on the double doors there, it says Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8, under I have set before thee an open door. And uh, as uh, we approach our 25th anniversary... Uh, it seems like it was only just a few years ago that my wife and I were sitting down and we were contemplating uh, what we would call this church, the name of the church, because there, there was no church here. There was nothing that existed, and we had been sent out. We had raised our support. We spent a year working with Brother McArdle over at the All Nations Bible Baptist Church that since merged with Woodhaven and changed their name and a lot of other things too, unfortunately. But as we continue, as we were working there, we were trying to think of names. And, of course, uh, if I could be just a attempt at being a little humorous this morning, we have uh, the world-famous Hell's Gate Bridge in the story. How many are familiar with it? That's the train bridge you pick up. Any book on trains in the United States, and they have a picture of that bridge. It's the only bridge in the world with two, actually four complete sets of tracks, two northbound, two southbound, that bankrupt the Pennsylvania and Ohio Railroad who built it uh, right after World War One, And uh, it's still there, but I'm not sure how many sets of tracks still work. And, and I thought about First Baptist Church at Hell's Gate. Now, wouldn't that be a great name? No, it wouldn't. It would really attract the wrong group of people. We'd get a bunch of motorcycle guys. Hey, this is my church. No. And uh, uh, we want people to get saved. And But the one thing that confronted us everywhere we went, uh, on deputation, we were, I think, in a total of about 135 different churches as we were asking support for churches, uh, from churches uh, so that we could come here and start this church, uh, it was like the number one question was, what, what is your plan? Uh, how are you going to survive? So many people have gone. In fact, one pastor in particular just sat us down. He said, I've supported and gave me an unbelievable number. I can't even remember it today. It was like over 25 people coming into New York City to start churches. He said, there's nothing there today. He said, what makes you think you're different than them? And I'm going, nothing. I, I, I can't, I, I mean, I, I don't know what would make us different. And, and, and he went on to explain, that's right. He said, you... All, he said, every one of you believe the Bible like I do and all of this. And, and I was just drawn to this passage. If, if we're going to see a church established here, it's not going to be because of me or my family. Because it's not my church. 
It belongs to Jesus. And you see, we do not believe, I do not believe that these churches are prophetic ages. Uh, If they were, that would mean that we would be required to be a lukewarm, sickening church. And that is not in the Bible anywhere. Uh, Nowhere does God require His servants to serve Him halfway. God makes that leaves that decision to us in how we are to serve Him. And I'll tell you, He only deserves our absolute dead-level best. Amen? And so as I was reading through these letters, and I I believe, I always uh, have believed that these letters are, are descriptive about churches. And I began to pray, God, would you give us a church like this church at Philadelphia? And I uh, thought about, well, how about Philadelphia Baptist Church? That would, But this is New York City. That might not be taken the wrong way. So how about Open Door Bible Baptist Church? Amen. Now, I grew up at a church that was called Church of the Open Door. And, and that's a whole different thing. Uh, when it was started, it was started by some people who did not want to identify with any denomination or any group of people. Since then, a Baptist pastor has taken the church and turned it around. But but the doors are open to anybody that walks through. But if you're going to stay, there's some things attached to that. Amen? I, I love to put it this way. God loves you so much, He will only save you. Just as you are. But that love is so great, He's not going to let you stay that way. He, he's going to change you. And, and here in this passage is not the emphasis is not on the doors that are open. The emphasis is on He who opens the door. And that's what we've endeavored to have the emphasis on since day one of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And let's just read this letter, one of the shorter of the letters, one of only two where there's no condemnation for this church. And verse 7 of chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true. He that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast the little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." And so, what we're asking God to do is to give us an understanding of these letters to the churches. Uh, people have often said, how can you tell the difference between a true church and a false one? Well, the simple answer is this. That's the short answer. You've got to get this book and you've got to compare it. But there, there's a lot of leeway in here. Every one of these seven churches Jesus claimed as his own. And some of these churches had some real problems, did they not? 
I mean, Jezebel was Sunday school superintendent, we might say, in one of these churches. She was teaching. And Jesus said, hey, this is still my church. That church was full of unsaved people. And here's what Jesus said. The unsaved ones are going into the tribulation. And Jezebel's going to be right there with them. You know, there's a lot of churches when Jesus comes back. Nothing's going to change. Because even though they have the name on the door, even though they have a Bible on the, on the stand in front of the pulpit or whatever, they, they, there's no life there. You have to go to the Savior to get that life. Amen? And Jesus is telling this church here, as he introduces himself, the first thing he introduces himself is he that is holy. The great battle that has been fought, I would say, since I graduated Bible college the last 30-some years here, uh, is the battle of holiness. Back in the 50s and 60s, we had groups. They were not necessarily in the Baptist group, but they were called holiness people. Uh, that song that we sang uh, this morning, yesterday, today, forever, I, I love that song because Jesus never changes. It was written by uh, Albert Simpson, and uh, he was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance movement, was one of the holiness groups. And I'll tell you what, if you went to those churches in the 20s and 30s when they were just brand new and uh, you didn't dress right, they asked you to go home and put on some clothes and come back if you wanted to because they were serious about holiness. Today, wow, there's no separation from the world whatsoever in those churches. They've, they've lost something. But see, the reason why that happens is because it was an organization founded by men from the beginning. You know, we're not here to, to uh, criticize other churches and organizations, but we, we are here to, there is a difference. And you see, that's what the word holy means. It means separation. The word sanctification is holiness in action. It means separated unto. Um, you, you know, we, we are very, very particular about some things. How many of you would go into a restaurant? that had a C-minus grade from the health department. In fact, I don't even think they allow those things to stay open. I think they close them. Yeah, Brother Dave tell me. You get C-minus, they close you. Uh, how, how, you wouldn't want to go into, I think twice when I see the letter B, I'm just wondering, hmm, I wonder. Uh, I, I like, I like clean plates and silverware. And I like when the coffee cup, when you turn it over there, I don't want anything in the bottom of my cup. How about you? Am I the only one that's particular about that stuff? And I still cringe at Starbucks when the lady takes her hand and runs it right around the rib where I'm putting my mouth on to seal the lid. I'm sitting there going, wash your hand. You don't have to do that. Uh, that's the part of the cup that belongs to me, not to you. Get your thumb off of it. I, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm just a little particular about that stuff. But when it comes to spiritual holiness, are we particular? Are, are we as careful about naming the name of Jesus as we are about our dinner plate. See, Jesus addresses this church. He said, "I These things saith he that is holy. Jesus sets the standard. 
every once in a while someone will come here to our church and they'll say, well, you know, you can't just, you can't live like you did 50 years ago. I'm not trying to live like they did 50 years ago. We want to allow Jesus to set the standard of holy. Because he is the only one that has the authority to set that standard. And as Jesus addresses this church, holiness still matters. Personal separation still matters. Then he says, he that is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Every time I hear that verse, my mind just double plays another passage out of John where Pilate is standing there. Jesus is standing before him. And Jesus says, I am come to witness of the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? The consummate politician. Truth is what you need to get through the day. Wrong. Uh, Truth is not moldable. It's not shapeable. It's not ownable. You cannot control truth. Because Jesus is truth. And he states here that he says, I am he that is holy. He that is true. He that hath the key of David. Now that next little phrase is very interesting. It only shows up twice in your Bible. Here. And in Isaiah chapter 22, during the reign of Hezekiah, and it's not even talking about the king. Now, Hezekiah was the direct descendant of David, but there was a fellow named Shebna. He was a scribe, and we'll just have to run through it very quickly here this morning. But Shebna had taken upon him all kinds of authority as they were under attack from the Assyrians and different things like this, and And uh, he had set himself up as one that was the preserver of the truth. He was the head of the scribes. And God says, listen. He says, I'm taking you out, bud. He said, you've hewn yourself a sepulcher in the valley of the kings and not in the least position, by the way. Uh, you've, You've made provision that In posterity, everyone that comes by and reads the history of Israel, if you get to write that history that you want, everybody's going to believe you're one of the greats of Israel. God says, the only problem is I don't agree. He says, you're going to go into captivity. You're going to die in Babylon and you're going to be buried in an unmarked grave. You're going to be one of those people that is forgotten. And I'm going to take... Another man, his name was Eliakim, and I'm going to put him in in your room, and I'm going to clothe him with the vestures of your office, and I'm going to hang upon him the key of the house of David. But then you read the end of the chapter. He says, I'm going to make Eliakim a nail secured in a sure place. And then the end of the chapter, he says, I'm going to pull that nail down. Because no man has the authority over the house of David except the son of David, which is Jesus Christ. The reason this is so important as we come through this, all through this letter to the church at Philadelphia, we're going to have the true church versus the fake church. And it's going to go back and forth. And... Jesus says, listen, I'm the one that has the key of David. Because I am the son of David. I am the fulfillment of all the prophecies and promises that God gave to David and to Abraham. I am he that will reign with an everlasting rule. And of course, oftentimes I I just picked up this phrase somewhere, but there will be no peace until the Prince of Peace rules this world from the city of peace. And that's what we're looking for. And that's what Jesus is referring to here is that eternal, that millennial kingdom 
that will be on earth for a thousand years and will continue into eternity future. And, and we do not know all the particulars, but Jesus says, listen, I'm in charge of the kingdom. Uh, if you turn on certain channels, uh, I'm not sure if TBN's still on kingdom, but every so often you'll hear someone talking about, we're building the kingdom. Uh, uh, kingdom peace be unto you and kingdom this and that. and Stay away from people like that. You see, they have nothing to do with the kingdom. If Jesus instructed his church to set up his kingdom, we'd have to be out there fighting ISIS and all the rest of the people. But see, Jesus did not give us that job. That's why Baptists have never taken up arms to propagate the gospel. But let me tell you something. The Orthodox Church has. The Catholic Church has. The Protestants have. And so has Islam and Buddha. And... uh, Almost every other religion has taken up arms of some kind to propagate their faith. Bible-believing Christians have never, because that's not our job. You see, Jesus has the key of the kingdom. And he's the one that will set up his kingdom. And he doesn't need our help. Can we say amen to that? How small God would have to be if He needed our help or our protection. Now, don't say that out loud to certain people because they'll accuse you of blasphemy of their God, but you, you just need to understand that. That the God of this book is so big that He doesn't need our help. And uh, so we, we look here in the introduction and he says, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. God is still on the throne. God is still in charge. Yeah, things look pretty bad sometimes. And they, they think they keep getting looking, they keep looking a little worse all the time. But the simple truth is, Jesus is in control. He's the one that opens those doors, He's the one that closes those doors. And well over 25 years ago, we prayed, begin praying. As we were on deputation, we've spent about 18 months traveling to churches and a little bit of time before that just getting ready for deputation. And, uh, in fact, we, we, uh, left the, the church, uh, just about, uh, three years before you guys came. So you were just getting started as we were leaving. And, um, we, uh, uh, were praying that God would open the door. It's one of the reasons I love this building. There's three of them out front. Amen. And uh, those doors are open. And uh, uh, I, I love a little bit of fun sometimes. Uh, I remember li- hearing a guy. He was talking about there. Yeah, the doors are locked. I'll bet they're locked. And so he comes up. He says, take a picture of me. And I snuck up behind him and... and uh, just as he grabbed a hold of the door, I unlatched it, pulled it open, and said, Hello, can I help you? Scared the living daylights out of him. It was so much fun. And he, you, you just ruined my picture. And I just smiled. I said, Can I help you? He said, Well, n- no, not really. And locked the door and let him go. Uh, you don't get to do that all the time. But every once in a while, the Lord does provide a little humor in service for the Lord. Amen. And... Uh, So, as we look here, Jesus has the keys. He has the key of David. He also, in Matthew chapter 16, he said, said, I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom to Peter. How many of you remember that? 
Now, now the people in Rome would say, see there, Peter's in charge of the church. He, he has the keys. Well, could I ask you a question? What do keys do? I, I left my big uh, uh, stack of keys uh, on my desk because I don't want them jingling and jangling while I preach and don't want the temptation to, uh, to reach there and play with the keys in my pocket and fiddle with them while I'm preaching. And so I leave them on my desk. But keys open doors, do they not? Uh, that's what they're for. They're there to close doors. Now, he told Peter, he said, I'm going to give you the keys, and Peter opened the doors. He preached the first gospel message on the day of Pentecost to the Jews. Who preached the first gospel message to the Gentiles? Peter did, didn't he? Acts chapter 10. To Cornelius of the Italian band, for those of Italian heritage. Amen? Uh, uh, the, he was the first Gentile to hear the gospel. Peter was the preacher. He opened the doors. If you're not a Jew, if you're not a Gentile, then uh, you're from outer space somewhere and uh, the Bible doesn't talk about you. Uh, you're in one of those categories and the doors are open. But who opened the doors? Peter turned the keys. He preached the sermon. But Peter doesn't offer salvation. Only Jesus does. And Jesus has never lost anyone. Someone that has accepted Jesus as their Savior. Not one has ever been snatched back by the devil. Can we say amen to that? Now we have a lot of people that think they're saved that aren't, read the Sermon on the Mount and other passages. But if you're truly saved today, you're saved by the power of Jesus Christ. He's opened that door and nobody, nothing can shut it. And so, here is Jesus introducing himself. Holiness, truth, the key of David, the coming kingdom. And he's the one that opens the door, and no man can shut what Jesus has opened, and no man can open what Jesus has shut. We praise the Lord for His power and His authority. In verse 8, He addresses the church and He says, I know thy works. He says, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Now, He starts this with, Behold, who is supposed to be looking? Well, he's writing to the church. He's writing to the pastor. He's addressing the pastor in particular, the church as a whole. And in essence, he's addressing all Christians in all churches. He said, listen, I'm the one that opens the door. Now, look for it. Walk through it. Don't play games here. Don't. Uh, hold back. He said, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. Then he goes on to say, for thou hast a little strength. You know, I, one of the reasons, and I try to remind our, our church of this regularly, one of the reasons why I go to fellowship meetings is not uh, uh, so we can necessarily just get things. Praise the Lord. The last fellowship meeting I went to in, in uh, Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, that, that was a great fellowship meeting. I got a lot of encouragement from uh, many of the sermons there and, and just being able to be around some friends and, and fellowship with them. That, that was a good thing. But I'll tell you... Uh, it's good to be reminded that there are some churches out there that are not just struggling for existence. That there are some churches that are very strong and are doing incredible things. We rejoice in our missions giving here. It's taken us 20, what was it, 24 years, 23 years to give our first million dollars to missions. 
Now that is a milestone. That's something to praise the Lord about. But there are more than just a few churches that give that much to missions every year. And you know what? That's something we need to rejoice in. That churches can do those things. The churches are stronger. But who is the head of all the churches? Jesus is. Now, he says, I've set that open door before you because you have a little strength. Can anybody think of another passage where the Apostle Paul speaks about having a little strength. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Everybody gave me one of those blank looks, so we're going to look it up here and read it very carefully. Verse 9 says, And he, God, talking to the Apostle Paul here, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect, how? In weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul is saying here, listen... God gave me this problem in my life. He called it a thorn in the flesh. And many people have tried to figure out what that is. And we'll just let that picture there, that word picture of a thorn in the flesh stand. If you've ever run into a thorn tree without knowing about it in the woods, that that is an exceptional thing that will burn into your mind and probably into your flesh. The illustration that is here, something terribly painful, something that arrests your entire attention. You cannot do anything else but pay attention to this thing. And And he said, I besought the Lord that he would remove it. And God's answer was, I'm not removing the pain. He says, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Jesus is telling this church, I got you right where I want you to be. One of the commentators called it, called the church at Philadelphia the feeble church because it had a little strength. Uh, I like the idea, the cared for church. You see... Jesus says, you don't have the strength. I do. He said, that's why I've set before you an open door. Not because you're so great and you're special and you you got powers and privileges. I mean, everybody's got superpowers today, I guess. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, nobody has superpowers because if they did, you would use them in ways that would not be godly or nice. Uh, So God's withheld us from all of those things. And he tells this church, he says, you have a little strength. He said, I want you to look. There's a door that's open that's set before you, and I want you to walk through that door. And I'm the one that's done it, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness, in Second Corinthians 4, Paul tells us that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory would be of God and not of us. And so as we move through this, we find out that this church has a little strength, but here's what they've done. It says... For thou hast a little strength, and, so we got a connection here, has kept my word, and has not denied my name. So the three attributes of this church are simply a little strength, keeping his word, and not denying his name. How, how do you keep God's word? 
Could I suggest the first thing about keeping God's Word is that you don't take anything out of it. You don't take anything away from God's Word. If you're going to keep God's Word, we live in what, what uh, the proper adjective is eclectic. An eclectic society. It means where you get to pick and choose. Uh, I had a fellow come to me one time and he says, I believe the true church of Jesus Christ uh, believes in the King James Bible. I said, well, that's pretty good. And it's Calvinistic in doctrine. I said, that's not very good. And baptizes babies. And I'm sitting there going, wow. I said, uh, I called his name. I said, I got a suggestion for you. Since that church does not exist, and it never has, and never, why don't you go start your own? I said, because we have a responsibility to the head of the church. He which is holy, he which is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, shutteth and no man openeth. We have a responsibility to him to keep his word. We do not have the right to innovate. We do not have the authority to change or modify this book. We cannot take anything away from it. We cannot add anything to it. Uh, What we're trying to do and striving to do is to keep His Word. That's what the Philadelphia church had done. And by the way, the Philadelphia church had everything the Bible has to offer except the book of Revelation when this book was written. And they soon got that remedied when they got a copy of the book of Revelation from John. Amen? Uh, Their Bible was complete. They needed nothing else. And hath not denied my name. Wow. That sounds pretty simple. Well, I tell everybody I'm a Christian. And so does roughly somewhere between a third and... 40% of the world's population, right? Well, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not an Islam. I'm not this. I'm a Christian. Well, wait a minute. Jesus said, Has not denied my name. How many of you remember what the world calls the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven. What's the next phrase? How many can say it with me? Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. The connection between the word hallowed and holy, same root. He that is holy, there's there's a connection here. Not denied my name. How do we deny the name of Jesus? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of people deny the name of Jesus by adding him to the list of God's. I pray to Jesus, the Great Spirit, the the Father of all, the universe. You just denied Jesus' name because He is holy. He's different than all those other gods. All those other gods have other attributes that Jesus would never have because if He did, He couldn't be God. And... I'm sorry, I don't mean to be sarcastic, but I I want to put it forth plainly enough that no one would have any chance of misunderstanding. If Jesus needed his mother's help, he couldn't be God. Was Mary a great person? Yes. The Bible calls her the greatest woman that ever lived, but she was still a woman. In her own words in Luke chapter 2, she says, I rejoice in God my Savior. Mary was not without sin. She needed a Savior just like we do. The Bible teaches that. You see, when we add anything, when we take anyone or any purpose or anything and put it on the level of Jesus, we've denied his name. 
when we use His name as a curse word, we've denied His name. He is not a curse word. It's not Jesus this and Jesus that. I can't remember what it was. We were doing something over at Union Working and one of the... I think I'm not going to say which group it was. It was some contractor we had there and he went took Jesus' name in vain. I said, no, wait a minute, that's not his fault. And he smiled and said, yeah, you're right, preacher, it's not. Okay, let's go on. Uh, but he didn't do it again. I was very pleased about that. You see, not denying his name, hallowed be his name, holy, separate, special, We're not going to add him to the list of the gods. We're not going to reject identification with Jesus. Okay. Don't know where that's coming from, but hopefully it'll stop. How do we identify with Jesus Christ today? Well, right behind me here in the floor is a baptistry. You know what? That's how you identify with Jesus Christ. And we've had many people come over the years and they'll say, Yeah, but I was baptized in, in, in such and such a church. And could, Would you mind if we talked about that in my office when we have some time to explain that correctly? You see, baptism is your identification. So if you're baptized in a church that no longer teaches what the Bible teaches, or if we were to accept baptism from churches that don't teach what the Bible teaches, wouldn't we be denying His name? Hello? We would. And so, the the issue is, We don't want to deny his name. Church of Philadelphia did not deny his name. They were not willing to add Jesus to the list of gods. They were not willing to compromise on baptism and just allow it to go somewhere. They they wanted that name to be hallowed and lifted up and separate. We're not just part of the mass of religion. We're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And His name is special and deserves that. Those were the only three things this church did. And as we contemplated starting the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, we realized that we're never going to be a church of great strength that the whole city takes notice. They used to print the sermons of the pastor of First Baptist Church in Manhattan in the Sunday papers. That was back in the 1920s. I don't know if you could find the gospel there today if you went looking for it. I don't know. I don't have time to worry about what goes on there because we don't have a lot of strength here. We never have. But the Lord has set before us an open door. He has followed that. And so we've got two things we've got to work on. Number or three, actually. Number one, understanding that we don't have great strength. That's okay. Because His strength is made perfect in our weakness. We qualify. Amen. We want to keep His Word. We're not going to take it away from it. We're not going to add to it. By the way, that's the reason we use only the old King James and nothing else. And we're not going to deny His name. I can't tell you how many opportunities we've had over the years. We've had promise keepers call us up and want us to be involved in the Billy Graham Crusade and, and many of these other organizations. Sung Young Moon's been here, well, not himself personally, but his minions have been here on a dozen or more occasions. Trying to get us to join with them, denying His name. Not going to do it. 
some people, why are you so mean about that? Why, why are you so strict? Because it's connected to this church and the blessings that are connected to it. We're going to get to those in a minute. We don't want to miss out on one of them. Amen. And has not denied my name. That's, that's those three things. Kept the word. And here's what it says. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. I don't know how many times I've had people over the years. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that little church there. Yeah, yeah, that's us. But we're not going to worry about you despising our church. We're not even going to take time to answer you. If that's where you are, you're lining up with some pretty unsavory people. You see, the synagogue of Satan are those people who think the truth holds with them. And they are in charge uh, the Catholic Church recently, well, not rec- well, recently in its time period, in the last 20 or 30 years, has come up with the office of pastor now. And a, and a pastor in the Catholic Church is a lay person who's not trained for the ministry that assists with the giving out of the sacrament. It's the lowest position that anybody can hold in the Catholic Church. And, and that's done on purpose to demean those who would t- title themselves pastor. Do you know in the Bible that is the highest title that a human being can attain to? Because you're responsible directly to Jesus Christ for the congregation in which you lead. Wow. I'll, I'll, I'll endorse that. Amen? I'll gladly accept that title. You see, Jesus said, I'm going to straighten this thing out. But you've got to wait on my time period. It's not now. So you just keep being faithful and serving me. And on Judgment Day, we're going to see all those big priests and backward collars and high miters and all of this. Jesus is going to say, that's my church right there. That little thing that you despised and looked down upon. Hey, that's a promise. But you got to do the first three things. Little strength, keep my word, not deny my name to be qualified for that. Amen? And, and so, we, uh, we have so many people which claim the title of the final arbiter of truth. Uh, 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 the, the word is fiat. Uh, that, that is a word that means a decree come from God, of which there's no questioning. Uh, and, and you know, man does a really bad job with fiat. There's a car company called Fiat. If you're unfortunate enough to ever own one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if, if Man does not do well with fiat. Go to the United Nations. They think they have world peace. Uh, they're, not, they're not well with it. That's the synagogue of Satan. They're all the time giving the final edict. This is the truth. If you don't agree with me. Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't come from monkeys. Maybe you did. But if you're a human being, you're a descendant from Adam and Eve who were created in the image of God. And we, we, we're not going to back up on those things. Those, those are the things. God is going to prove the veracity of His church. And then He goes on and He says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. And I, I wish I could spend the whole Sunday sermon on this one phrase. Because this is, this is the one thing we don't get. The most difficult part of the Christian life is daily. And it just seems like we're, we're not doing anything. We're not accomplishing anything. We're, we're, we're not achieving things. But Jesus said, you've kept the word of my patience. You just live for me every day. 
you know, not denying his name. It's tough to always bring glory to Jesus' name every day. When someone steals your parking spot. When someone does something that you don't like. I mean, we get frustrated with people who infringe upon our life and our area, and yet we're supposed to hold up Jesus' name. And we need to pray that God will help us do that. He says, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them to dwell upon the earth. Uh, Would you... Take time to read Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the world's population dies in that seven-year period that's described in those chapters. That's a terrifying thought. And here is a promise. Jesus says, I will keep my church from that hour. From that time period. Why? Because they've kept the word of my patience. And verse 11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast. Now, you, you read that phrase. It's, it's poetic, is it not? Hold that fast which thou hast. If you could just grab that. The church at Philadelphia already had everything they need. Jesus said, hold on to it. That's that's what we need to understand. We need no new doctrine. We need no new innovations. We need to hold fast that, that which we have. Why? It says that no man take thy crown. Now, I believe the Bible, it teaches that I give unto them eternal life. You can never lose your salvation. But you can lose everything else. How many churches have ceased being true churches? Because they left their first love, the Ephesians church. Because Jezebel and her crowd came in and took over and there weren't any saved people left in the church. You see, you can lose your crown. You can lose rewards. If we don't hold fast to those simple things that are already in the Bible. One commentator I was reading, he said, when, when it talks about kept my word, he's talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. And I'd say, wow, that's, that's, that's right down the line. I mean, the Lord's Supper is something that we do on, on occasion as the, uh, the Lord directs and things that we would personally judge our relationship between us and the Lord. It's for the church. It's for the members alone. We, we believe in closed communion, that it belongs inside the membership of the local church. We don't just offer it to anybody or anyone. We don't even offer it to people of like faith because we don't know where they've come from. We have no authority in their Christian life. Their authority belongs at their church with their pastor. And we try to keep things as simple and as biblical as we can. You know why? Because we want to hold fast to His Word. We don't want to deny His name. And we don't want to ever assume that we have great strength. We don't want to lose that crown. To him that overcometh, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Isn't that an amazing statement? Now, we've been talking about and preaching about worship on Thursday nights. Grappling with God, who God is, and, and allowing that knowledge and allowing who God is to press us down a little bit. You know what the neatest thing about a pillar is? It gets pressed down, but it doesn't move. Because if it did, building and falling. God says, listen... You that want to really understand who I am, you're going to keep my name. He said, I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple. He said, you're going to get to hold me up. 
and you're not going to crack, and you're not going to sway, and termites aren't going to eat the bottom out of you. We've had all those things happen over at Union. Uh, but that's not going to happen in the temple that God builds because those pillars are impervious to any harm because Jesus made us that way. Does any, anybody get that? Do you understand what he's talking about there? He's, he's going to make a pillar in the temple of his God. And then he says, uh, uh, he shall go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. You know, everyone that went into the temple, went into the tabernacle, everyone that worshipped God in the Bible had to come out. Because they had to carry on with the normal life functions. You know, in eternity, he makes a promise. He said, I'm going to put you in the temple. You're going to get to lift up me and my name and my glory forever. And you're never going to have to quit. Never going to have to take a break. You're never going to have to go out. There's never going to be any sacrifice for sins because that's all been taken care of. And he says, I'm going to write upon you the name of God in the name of Uh, of the city of God, the new Jerusalem. And he said, I'm going to write upon you my new name. You know what we do when we want to honor people? We etch their name in stone somewhere now, don't we? Well, who do we want to honor? God. So he's going to write his name all over you. And you'll get to stand there. And you'll never have to quit. And you'll never get tired. And you'll never bow under the weight that is placed upon you. Heaven is going to be about worship. Read chapters 4 and 5. And this is what I've tried to say over the years many times. If you want to get ready for heaven, you need to start practicing now. Lifting up His name. Making Jesus special. Holy, true, keeping His Word, not denying His name. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see, if Jesus had just written one church and tried to put all of these promises in one church, we would have said, no such church could ever exist. How could a church lose its first love and let Jezebel teach at the same time? That would be catastrophic, wouldn't it? And yet, he's let us see into the existence of seven literal churches. And we can look there and we can find ourselves all through the letters to the seven churches. And we can take a challenge not to allow our church to leave its first love. Amen? The promise that he's made us kings and priests and we shall reign with him. The promise that he's going to make us pillars in the temple. The promise of that little white stone with a special name that God has given us. Wow. That he would take time to come up with a pet name for just me. And that he and I are going to share that privately. And for many of us, that would be a very good thing that it's private. Amen? Because our pet name may not be very flattering if our service for God has not been what it ought to be. Just something to think about. It will be arrayed in white raiment, which is the righteousness of the saints. How do we get that? We've got to go to Jesus and buy it. That's what it says to the Laodicean church. Amen? See, the other churches were already doing that, so he didn't have to remind them about that. We've had to do some very unpleasant things over the years. But you know why we've done that? so we could 
keep his word and not deny his name so that we could stay where Jesus wants us to stay so that we could walk through that open door that he has set before us. And when the Lord does extraordinary things with a little tiny church, we can go, not about us. It's about Jesus. You see, the only thing I've ever prayed for, the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, is that we would be the church of Jesus Christ right here where God has placed us. And the best thing I know how to say is 25 years, we got a good start. We're not finished. We're we're not even, uh, what was it Winston Churchill said, this is not the... Uh, Beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning. I don't know that we've even gotten to the end of the beginning yet. We'll we'll let the Lord take care of the time frames. But there are some things that we have to do. We have to understand that we don't have it all figured out. That we have a little strength. That makes us dependent upon His strength. Amen? We've got to keep His Word means we've got to do things His way. We can't accept any substitutes, any modifications, any changes. And, and we've got to hold up His name. There are many glory stealers out there. They want that glory that belongs to God. They want that power and that privilege. They, they want that authority that only belongs to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. By God's grace, they shall have none of it in this church. Only Jesus. We want to hold fast what we have. And we're not going to let anybody come in and take Jesus' place. That's why we reject that purpose-driven life stuff. That's a modification of Scripture. Actually, it's turning it inside out. That's why we're not seeking the world's marketing and all of these things that are out there. I'll tell you what, if I wanted to fill this church up full of, the building up full of men, all we have to do is give away free beer. They'd be standing down the block. Wow, I get to go to church and get soused at the same time? Wow, I love that. Well, they got churches meeting in bars. Of course, they close the bar during the service, but we won't say what they might or might not do afterwards. How can not someone call that denying the name of Jesus? The one that is holy? What we're looking for is people who will serve God here with us. Under biblical authority. That we can walk together. And guess what? None of us are perfect. say, well, I know that. Well, yeah. Well, then none of our service is going to be perfect. But here's what we'll do, is we'll go back to the Savior who saved us, seek His forgiveness, and then get back in line and keep serving again. Does that sound so complicated? Because that's naturally what happens in the life of someone who wants to serve Jesus through His church. Because he has the keys. He has the authority. He's opened the doors. He is the holy. He is the true. All we have to do, follow him. All God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you.
And this morning I, I pray that as this sermon is about a letter to you wrote to your church and really so many things that we have thought and prayed for through the years. And we just ask, Lord, that you would have your will and way in each of our lives, that truly we would hold fast to your word, that we would not deny your name, and Lord, that we would never trust in our own strength or wisdom to serve you. We ask, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified in this service and in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.